We now come to Prime Minister's questions. Rob Butler. Uh, Mr Speaker, the whole House will want to join me in paying tribute to Lance Corporal Brodie Gillen, a reservist medic from the Scottish and North Irish Yeomanry who was tragically killed in Iraq last week. My thoughts and deepest sympathies are with her family and loved ones at this very difficult time. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Rob Butler. Like uh, many others in the United Kingdom, my constituents in Aylesbury are understandably deeply concerned about COVID-19, and I pay tribute to staff at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, Bucks Social Services, and everyone in the community who's helping those with the virus or in isolation. Can my right honourable friend assure the people of Aylesbury and everybody in the country that the government will take whatever action is needed and spend whatever money is needed to save lives and to protect livelihoods? Absolutely. Uh, Well, Mr Speaker, I want to join my honourable friend in paying tribute uh, to the staff at uh, Stoke Mandeville, but to all the staff in our fantastic NHS for the way they're coping at this extremely difficult time. And he can certainly take it that uh, we're not only... Uh, of course, we've not only put another £5 billion into the uh, NHS last week, as he heard from my right honourable friend, but we will certainly do whatever it takes and provide whatever funding is necessary to help our NHS uh, through this crisis and indeed to support the whole country uh, with government guaranteed loans, as he would have heard yesterday. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I want to thank you for the statement you just made and for the very responsible approach MPs have taken to today's question time by sitting a suitable distance apart to avoid uh, um, cross-fertilisation of this horrible disease. Um, I also want to join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Lance Corporal Brodie Gillen, who was killed in Iraq last week. Our thoughts are with her family and her friends. Today, Mr Speaker, people are mourning the loss of loved ones. Many more will be suffering from the effects of coronavirus, including those already losing work or losing their jobs and worried about whether they can keep a roof over their head. Our greatest thanks must go to the frontline medical and public health staff who are fighting to combat the spread of the disease and to the public servants, postal workers in particular, who have given such sacrifices today, and cleaners who are providing vital support. We must also thank those working around the clock to make sure our shops and warehouses are stocked with the essential food supplies that everybody needs. We on these benches will do our duty to hold the government to account. Together we need to ensure that the most effective action is taken to protect people, and it's in that spirit that I ask questions of the Prime Minister today. Every member of the public will make sacrifices in the effort to stop the spread of coronavirus, but those on low pay, self-employed workers and small business owners are understandably worried. Sue wrote to me this week, her family is in isolation and says the current £94.25 per week statutory sick pay is not enough to pay for the food shopping. Can the Prime Minister do what the Chancellor repeatedly refused to do yesterday and pledge to increase statutory sick pay to European levels? Well, I I want to thank the Right Honourable Gentleman for the uh, way in which the Opposition has been uh, approaching this issue generally and for the cooperation that has uh, so far taken place uh, between our 
front benches in this in this matter because it is uh, a as he as he rightly says this is a national emergency and we're asking the public uh, to do things uh, to take actions in a way that is really unprecedented uh, for a government in peacetime and perhaps even unprecedented in the last uh, in the last century so uh, to come to his question it is only right that when we are asking people to uh, take action to isolate themselves if they have the disease or a member of their household has a disease, if we're uh, ensuring, if we're asking the public to take steps which jeopardise businesses, cause people uh, to risk losing their jobs, it is absolutely right that whatever their circumstances, we should ensure that workers get the support that they need. So in addition to the package of business support, that the, am I right, honourable friend, the Chancellor outlined yesterday, we will be working with the unions, working with uh, colleagues across the House, we will be bringing forward further measures to support workers of all kinds throughout this crisis. Herman Corbyn. The UK sick pay levels lag far behind those of European counterparts. The Scandinavian countries are giving many of them 100% of wages during this crisis. And I hope that when the Prime Minister brings forward proposals on this, they do reflect the reality of people's lives. You cannot feed a family on 90-odd quid a week. And those people, therefore, are putting everybody at risk because they have to go out to work in order to put food on the table. And to claim statutory sick pay, workers need to prove they earn a minimum of £118 per week. So I hope when the Prime Minister brings forward proposals, he will give confidence to the millions of people who work on low-income jobs, are in insecure work or self-employed, and commit to extending a very much enhanced statutory sick pay to all workers. Well, Mr. Speaker, as, I, as I've told the, the House before, uh, of, of course uh, we will ensure that uh, nobody is penalised for doing the right thing and protecting not just themselves uh, but also other uh, members of society, and of course making sure that our NHS is able to cope. And clearly, uh, statutory sick pay uh, will typically be uh, supplemented by other uh, other benefits, but. Uh, we will ensure, and I, I just repeat what I, what I said to the right honourable gentleman, uh, we will ensure since the state is after all making these demands of the public and of business, it is only right that throughout this period we should be doing whatever it takes to support the workers of this country throughout this crisis. Jeremy Corbyn. What it takes is a recognition of the social injustice and inequalities that exist in this country. And I hope that when the Prime Minister makes the proposals on uh, statutory sick pay levels, that will be recognised. A quarter of the people that are most crucial to support us in this crisis, social care staff, and almost half of home care workers are on zero-hours contracts, so therefore automatically not entitled to sick pay. By not extending statutory sick pay to all workers, the government is forcing social care staff, and they're the people that could unwittingly be transmitting the disease amongst the most vulnerable in our community to choose between health and their own hardship. Yesterday, the Chancellor, unfortunately, offered nothing to the 20 million people living in rented homes, including 3 million households with children. They're worried. They're worried sick. 
that they can't pay their rent if they get ill, lose pay, or feel they need to self-isolate. It is in the interest of, the, of public health, of the health of all of us, that people don't feel forced to go to work in order to avoid eviction when they know themselves they may be spreading this terrible disease. So will the Prime Minister now confirm that the government's emergency legislation will protect private renters from eviction? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I, I, I can indeed confirm that, uh, I mean, he's making a series of very powerful points and uh, I can indeed uh, confirm that uh, we will do uh, we will be bringing forward legislation to protect uh, private renters from uh, from eviction uh, that is that is one thing we'll do but it's also important uh, as we legislate that we do not simply pass on the problem so uh, we'll also be taking steps uh, to protect other actors in the in the economy yeah. Prime Minister, Jeremy Corbyn. The details of that, because uh, all of us represent um, private sector tenants in our constituencies, and we know the stress they're going through now. They need something said urgently about this, and so I hope the government will say something as soon as possible. Today would be appropriate. NHS staff and those working in the care sector are, Mr. Speaker, on the front line of caring for patients suffering from coronavirus. However, Sadly, those workers have no idea if they're actually transmitting the virus themselves. They may not be obviously suffering from it, but they could still be transmitting it. And if they're ill or not, when they return to work on the front line, what effect it will have. So can the Prime Minister please explain why the government isn't prioritising the testing of all healthcare staff, both those in the NHS and those doing such a vital job in the care sector? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, in point of fact, we are prioritising uh, testing of, of NHS staff for the obvious reason that we want them to be able to look after everybody else uh, with confidence that they're not uh, transmitting the disease. And this country is actually uh, far ahead of many other comparable uh, countries in testing huge numbers of people. We're increasing our tests from 5,000 uh, to 10,000 a day. And it may be of interest to the House to, uh, to know that uh, we are getting much closer, Mr Speaker, to having a generally available test which will determine whether or not you have had the disease, and that will truly be of huge benefit uh, to this country in tackling the outbreak. Jeremy Corbyn. The World Health Organisation said test, test, test. And we should be testing, I believe, on an industrial scale. When I met the Prime Minister on Monday evening, he assured me that there were 10,000 tests per day going on. That's better than none, obviously, but it is nowhere near even the number of people working in the NHS and the care sector. It is a massive undertaking, and I wish there was a greater sense of urgency from the government in getting this testing uh, available for all staff. Um, NHS staff are obviously on the front line, and many are scared because the guidance has, that has been changed to say they do not need to wear full protective equipment when caring for patients. A senior doctor has said, and I quote, the rest of the world is providing staff with full protective gear and we are restricting it. And he, this is a doctor saying, I'm scared. We shouldn't be scaring doctors and nurses. Is there a policy for them to have full protective equipment or not? Because I believe it should be the case. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We're, we're, we're just to, uh, quickly on, on, on testing, just to reassure him, we're moving up to 25,000 uh, a day. Uh, and on PPE equipment for NHS staff, he's absolutely right uh, to raise this, and this is a, 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 a huge concern, obviously, to uh, everyone that our uh, NHS staff should feel that they're able to interact with patients with, with perfect. Uh, security and protection. So uh, there is a massive effort going on, comparable to the effort to uh, build enough ventilators to ensure that uh, we have uh, adequate supplies of PPE equipment, not just now, but throughout uh, the outbreak. Jeremy Corbyn. Mr Speaker, generations to come will look back on this moment and they will judge us. Judge us on the actions that we take now. Our response must be bold and it must be decisive. The market cannot deliver what is needed. Only collective public action led by government can protect our people and our society. And that collective action must not allow, must not allow the burden to fall most on those who lack the resources to cope, as happened after the financial crash. People across the country understand, they do understand, the need for temporary restrictions on our way of life to protect us all. And we will work with the government. But... The Prime Minister must understand that will require balancing action to protect the most insecure and vulnerable in the interests of public health as well as of social justice. The health of us all depends on the health of the most vulnerable. So I ask the Prime Minister, will he step up now and not tomorrow and give support to those vulnerable people? who live on the margins of our society, are vulnerable themselves and make us all vulnerable, and give them the support and the assurance that they desperately are searching for today. Uh, in, indeed, I, I can, Mr Speaker, and that's why uh, we've announced uh, uh, another £500 uh, million, uh, to go straight into councils uh, to help them immediately with the needs of the, of the poorest and, and most vulnerable. That's why we've announced immediate cash injections into business uh, to help them uh, through a, un, unquestionably a very, very difficult time. That's why uh, we will be bringing forward further measures to ensure that every worker receives support throughout this difficult period. Because being no, no doubt, Mr Speaker, we are asking, he's, he's right to draw attention to the unprecedented nature of this crisis. We are asking the public to do quite extraordinary things. We're asking business to uh, shoulder quite extraordinary burdens. Uh, but the more, uh, the more effectively we can work together to comply with the very best scientific advice, which is what has actuated this government throughout the crisis, which is what has uh, guided this government throughout the crisis, the better our chances of relieving the burden on the NHS, the more lives we will save, the more suffering uh, we, will, uh, we will avoid, and the quicker we will get through it. And uh, be in no doubt that this is, and he is, the right honourable gentleman is absolutely right, this is an enormous challenge for this country, but I think the people of this country understand what they need to do to beat it, and they also, I think, understand that we will beat it, and that we will beat it together. Yeah. Brendan Clark-Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In November, the Prime Minister and the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care came to visitors at Bassett Law Hospital in Worksop to see the excellent work done by our local NHS. And we were delighted to hear of a £14.9 million investment in upgrading our accident and emergency department. 
Would the Prime Minister please update us on the progress of this and would he and the Secretary of State accept an invitation to see the work once it is completed? Um, Mr Speaker, well I congratulate my honourable friend on what he's doing for Bassett Law Hospital. Actually, uh, I remember going to talk to the wonderful doctors and staff at Bassett Law and they explained in great detail uh, their fascinating plan for improving service for their uh, patients and uh, I am absolutely determined to support him and them in, in their ambitions. That's why we've put uh, £15 million already into expanding emergency care capacity in Bassett Law and uh, the, uh, my right honourable friend, the Health Secretary, is working, uh, I know, intimately with Bassett Law uh, to take forward the whole project. Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I associate myself with the remarks of the Prime Minister on the killing of Lance Corporal Brody Gillen? Mr Speaker, this is an unprecedented emergency and it requires an unprecedented response. I welcome the fact that the parties across this House and governments across these islands have worked together as we attempt to protect all our peoples. It is the right approach and it is the very least the public expect and deserve from us. Yesterday, the Chancellor announced a £330 billion financial package for business. Today, the UK Government needs to announce a financial package for people. Yeah. Yeah. Members from six parties across this House have now expressed support for a temporary universal basic income to help everyone, especially freelancers, renters and the self-employed. Using the current tax system, will the Prime Minister stand up today and give a commitment to provide people with the security of a universal basic income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, first of all, I want to thank the Right Honourable Gentleman for the, uh, the, the spirit in which uh, he's spoken, and uh, indeed there is a huge amount of collaboration uh, going ac across all four nations of, of this country, as, as you can imagine, Mr Speaker, and uh, we are, we are in, in lockstep. What I would just say on his, uh, his appeal for a, a basic income, do not underestimate, Mr Speaker, the value to, to people uh, of the measures that we've already announced that will support business and keep jobs going, make sure that those businesses continue in existence. That must be uh, the first step. But then, as I've said repeatedly now to the Right Honourable Leader of the Opposition, it is also, he's quite right, it is also important that throughout this crisis we take steps to support workers and the suggestion that he makes is, of course, one of many such suggestions. Ian Blackford. Can I thank the Prime Minister for his answer? And there's a willingness from all of us to work together as we go through this crisis. But, Mr Speaker, thousands of people are already losing their jobs. Yeah. It's happening today. Yeah. Millions will face the same threat. They need reassurance and support, and they need it today. Yeah. They need an income guarantee. Yeah. Prime Minister, we must not repeat history. People are worried about their bills. They are worried about keeping a roof over their head. In the last financial crisis, the banks were bailed out, but ordinary people were not. Yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister, you have it within your power to protect people's incomes and provide them with peace of mind. At this time, an emergency universal income scheme would do just that. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister, at the very least, 
to commit to meeting all of us who support this proposal and discuss how we can protect the incomes of all of our peoples. Yes, indeed, Mr Speaker, I can make that commitment. and Indeed, I said as much in my earlier answer to the, to the right honourable gentleman. I think it is very important as we go forward that we try and enlist a consensus in this House about how to support people throughout the, the crisis. And I, and I agree profoundly with what he said about not repeating history. It is very important that as we ask the public uh, to do the right thing for themselves and for everybody else, that no one, whatever their income, should be penalised for doing the right thing. And we will make sure that that is the case. Can I welcome confirmation that routine Ofsted inspections will be postponed? And will the Prime Minister join in commending schools, leaders and teachers for all they've been doing in supporting families through this crisis? Mr Speaker, I want to pay a particular tribute, not just, of course, to our amazing NHS, but also to our teachers uh, and everybody who works in our schools for everything that they have done to keep our schools going throughout this difficult crisis so far. And, uh, of course, we will do everything we can to uh, remove burdens on Schools and uh, Ofsted is, is one in particular that we can, uh, that we can address and uh, the, uh, the House should expect uh, further decisions to be taken imminently uh, on uh, schools and how to make sure that we, we, we square the circle both of, of uh, making sure that we stop the spread of the disease but also of making sure that we relieve as much as we can pressure on our NHS. So we'll say Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much Mr Speaker. My NHS colleagues on the front line are already stressed with the pressure that they face. Last night I visited my father in a care home and am acutely aware that I may have fed him for the very last time. We are in unprecedented times. I would like to know where was the forward planning for PPE for our NHS and care staff? Where is the testing for medics? Why are we waiting so long for mass testing? And why are social distancing measures merely just suggestions? Prime Minister, it is right that we have all put party loyalty aside to work together during this time of national crisis. But we must scale up the response. Without good leadership, people in this country will start to panic. There must be no more time for delay. The time to act is now. Well, Mr Speaker, I, I completely agree with what the Honourable Lady says, and I, 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 I thank her for all the work that she does in the, in the health service, and I can certainly tell her that we have stockpiles of PPE equipment, and we are proceeding, and it's very, very important for the House to understand this, we are proceeding in accordance with the best scientific advice, and it, and it is the timeliness of those measures that is absolutely vital in combating the spread of the epidemic and indeed that is how you save lives and uh, I'm delighted that the UK's approach has been commended not just by Neil Ferguson of uh, Imperial College today but also by Dr David Nabarro of the World Health Organization. Edward Timpson. Very much Mr Speaker. The weeks and months ahead will test us all and stretch society to its limits. Uh, None more so than the National Health Service which is working day and night to care for the sick and save lives, but together, Mr Speaker, we will get through this. So will my right honourable friend update the House on his efforts to bring together a coalition 
of manufacturers to supply the NHS with the ventilators and other essential medical equipment it needs to treat the most adversely affected patients during this pandemic. Uh, Mr Speaker, as the House will know, there is already a coalition of British manufacturers who are now working together at speed to supply the ventilators that we need. Uh, we already have 8,000 who are moving rapidly upwards, and I will keep the House informed on developments. Chris Bryant, close question. Number eight, Mr Speaker. I thank the Right Honourable Gentleman for his invitation, and uh, I'm uh, happy to uh, consider his invitation to, to Ron, and, and, and we'll take it up. <laughs> Well, what I really hope is that the Prime Minister will look at the whole of the coronavirus crisis through the eyes of the Rhonda, because we have a large number of sole traders, chippies, electricians and plumbers. We've got a lot of people in very insecure employment. We've got lots of people who are elderly and people who are on very low incomes and have next to no savings. Many people have already been laid off this week and are worried that they're going to be laid off in the next fortnight. So we really do need the Prime Minister to address these matters. And if I'm honest, I don't want to be partisan, but it does feel as if we're a bit of an afterthought. So I really, really beg the Prime Minister to look through the eyes of the Rhonda, because I think he would then double sick pay so that it's a sensible figure. I think he would introduce something like a a summer version of the winter fuel allowance so that the elderly um, get some help. I think he would probably introduce some kind of VAT holiday for sole traders. I know he hopes, and we all hope, that the whole of the country will bounce back quickly after this. But I say to him, after the floods and the poverty that we have historically suffered in the Rhonda, communities like mine will find it phenomenally difficult to bounce back if he doesn't take this kind of action now. Well, well, Mr Speaker, the Honourable Gentleman speaks powerfully and passionately and, in my view, wholly uh, rightly for uh, the people of the, of the, of the Rhonda. And the, I can tell you that our thoughts in this government are with the people of this entire country in helping everyone to get through uh, this, uh, this virus. And we will do, as I say, whatever it takes, both to support business and, as I said in my earlier answer to the Right Honourable Gentleman, Leader of the Opposition, also to support uh, individuals and, and families. And I, I welcome uh, the suggestion, uh, uh, the agreement of, of the Right Honourable Gentleman, uh, the Leader of the Scottish National, National Party, that we should do this on a cross-party basis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As the Member of Parliament for Grenfell Tower, I would like to thank my Right Honourable Friend for the additional £1 billion in the Budget for cladding remediation. Mm. Moving on to today's events, can my Right Honourable Friend assure me that his Government will do absolutely everything to support the economy, businesses large and small, the self-employed, individuals, including those on low income, because now is not the time to be squeamish about public sector debt. Uh, uh, Mr. Speaker, I can certainly give my honourable friend that reassurance. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I welcome the measures, but yesterday's statement offered nothing for the self-employed. My constituency in Vauxhall has an estimated 30,000 self-employed workers and a lot of those people are already feeling the financial pinch now. And they can't wait for days for the government to announce something. 
So will the Prime Minister today announce a guarantee of measures that, that will fully compensate all self-employed workers in this crisis? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I, re I, re I repeat the answer I've given several times to several of her colleagues. Uh, we will do whatever it takes to ensure that uh, all workers are protected throughout this crisis. Stephen Hammond. Thank you, Mr, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I'd like to, like so many colleagues, extend my thanks to the NHS and all the frontline staff, but also uh, offer my thanks to him, the Chancellor and the Health Secretary for their leadership in this crisis. I think it's warmly welcomed by many in my constituency. The news from the major food retailers this morning was welcome, but many over 70s, vulnerable and self-isolating will be concerned that they will still be, have problems about access to food and to medicines throughout this period. Could he confirm what the government is doing to ensure that all retailers and pharmacists are going to prioritise these groups throughout the whole of this virus crisis? Uh, Mr Speaker, we're extending the hours in which deliveries can be made and we're talking right now with the Pharmaceutical Services Negotiating Committee about ensuring that uh, pharmaceutical goods get uh, at the right time to the customers who need them. Neil Hanvey. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In response to COVID-19, there are reports from across the globe of antiretroviral drugs being tested alone and in combination with varying degrees of reported success. In light of this, can the Prime Minister advise the House what resources are being made for drug security, development and clinical trials in the UK? What efforts are being made by him for the UK to work in concert internationally? And does he agree with me that the prize on this occasion must be the victory and not patents and profits? I endorse uh, in, uh, completely the, the sentiment that he has just expressed, Mr Speaker, about the need to do this uh, collectively. The government's announced a £46 million package uh, of investment in finding a, a vaccine. A huge amount of workers, uh, as, as I've just said, is going into uh, in, investing in test kits, and, the, and those are changing the whole time and improving the whole time. And we are doing this. The House will be uh, reassured to know that this is being done at an international level, working with our EU partners, uh, working with the G7, the G20, uh, the WHO, uh, the IMF. Everybody is working together on the very issues that he addresses. Otter. Mr. Speaker, as my right honourable friend has said, combating this virus will require a huge national effort. Supporting doctors and nurses in hospitals and community carers looking after the most elderly in their homes. Can the Prime Minister assure me and my constituents watching and listening in Warrington South that this government will do all it can to save lives, protect frontline front NHS staff, and keep the most vulnerable people in our society safe? Uh, Yes, Mr. Speaker, he, he identifies exactly the three priorities of this government. Stephen Farray. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Defeating the coronavirus must be the top, indeed the only priority for the foreseeable future. There's already huge anxiety across the UK. Businesses are facing unprecedented challenge and uncertainty. So, regardless of leave or remain, how quickly will the Prime Minister recognise the inevitable and seek at least a one year extension to the Brexit implementation process? Mr Speaker, our priority is to deal with the coronavirus uh, epidemic and the other matter uh, that he mentions has already, as he will know, been legislated for. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Like other town centres across the UK, Burnley has been seeing the evolution of its high street by mixing retail with leisure, which plays a significant role in increasing footfall and supporting SMEs. With that in mind, can I thank the Prime Minister and my right honourable friend, the Chancellor, for the measure announced in the budget and yesterday. 
and will he commit to doing whatever it takes to support in our SMEs so once we get through this challenge our high streets can buzz once again? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I can indeed confirm that is exactly why uh, we have cut uh, business rates and that's why we're making a very considerable sums available uh, for small businesses uh, for, for, and indeed for very small businesses precisely to protect uh, the high street and uh, the uh, enterprise environment on which so many jobs depend. Kevin Jones. I'm sure the Prime Minister will agree with me that protecting our NHS staff at this crucial time is our maximum, uh, of maximum importance. This week in County Durham, a, at least one GP surgeon received surgical masks from the uh, NHS with expiry dates of 2016 on the box. In other cases, uh, boxes, uh, labels have been stuck over the extending the uh, expiry dates of those boxes. What assurance can the Prime Minister give, not only that they get the uh, equipment they require, that it's actually effective once they get it? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, to the best of my knowledge, all the equipment we're sending out is uh, of the correct standard. I'd be happy to look at the case uh, that he mentions. And as I said earlier to the House, we, we currently have stockpiles of PPE, but are making huge efforts uh, to make sure we have enough for the uh, outbreak ahead. Sarah Dines. The Chancellor yesterday unveiled a wide range of measures to tackle coronavirus. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that it's vital we do whatever we can to get through this as a country? Uh, Mr Speaker, I, 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 I wholly endorse what my uh, honourable friend has said, has said. We will do whatever it takes and we will beat it together. Apart from rent arrears, eviction from a private tenancy, a yeah. Section 21 no-fault eviction, mm, yeah. is the biggest reason for homelessness. Yeah. On Friday, I met a 77-year-old woman who'd lived in her home for 15 years. I met a couple caring for a, a sister with Down syndrome, both due for eviction today. Can I ask the Prime Minister to ask the courts to stop Section 21 yes. evictions, to take the pressure off hard-pressed councils and these really worried families. Yeah. Mr Speaker, she is absolutely right to raise this and uh, that's why I said what I did to the Right Honourable Gentleman and uh, we will be, indeed be bringing forward uh, legislation to address the point that she raises. Bacon. Mr Speaker, in my constituency of Orpington, we've enlisted the support of the voluntary sector providers to join the council in providing support to the most vulnerable residents in combating the coronavirus. Can the Prime Minister confirm that local authorities like mine in Bromley, who are at the forefront of this, will be given clear guidance in respect to safeguarding and DBS checks for volunteers, as this will allow us to deploy more volunteers when and if the need arises? Uh, yes, Mr Speaker, he, he's absolutely right, and that's why we're speeding up the, the, the DBS checks uh, so they can be done in 24 hours. And I want to thank and congratulate all the boroughs uh, throughout this country uh, for the way they are harnessing those volunteers. The Minister talked about supporting families, so can I ask him to show his solidarity for those households um, headed up by a single breadwinner with dependent children? Today is Day of the Single Parent Family. It was initiated by Ronald Reagan in 1984. Can I ask him to join the Right Honourable Member for Romsey and Southampton North, she's my friend in this, on the steps of Old Palace Yard immediately after this PMQ to show that old or young... Rich or poor, big or small, all families matter. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I, I, I couldn't agree more powerfully, with, uh, more strongly with what uh, the Honourable Lady has said. Uh, whether I'll be able to join her, uh, whichever venue she's identified, I'm not sure. I'll have to look at my, uh, my diary. I think I have a date with you, Mr Speaker. <laughs> Dr Andrew Morrison. Can I thank the Prime Minister and his team for the sure-footed way in which they are approaching this crisis? Yeah. Given what's unfolding in northern Italy and the very real prospect of our brilliant NHS staff being overwhelmed in a matter of weeks, what age and comorbidity criteria are being drafted that will govern access to intensive care and to ventilators? Well, uh, Mr Speaker, he raises a very important point, but this is one that is not unknown to the medical profession and we will be relying on the, the clinical uh, decisions of, uh, of those medical professionals. Kevin Brennan. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. On the matter of whatever it takes, it takes more than three-word slogans, yes. is what I would say to the Prime Minister, and in this case it actually takes a bit of war socialism. We need to get money into the pockets of the workers. Yeah. Has he seen EDM 302, which I've proposed, about bringing in a temporary universal basic income to support That's workers right. and get money where it's actually needed? Exactly. Yeah. I hear the Honourable Gentleman loud and clear, and he's echoing a point that was already made by uh, the leader of the, uh, of the SNP, and of course that is one of the ideas that will certainly be considered. Theresa May. Thank you, Mr yeah. Speaker. Yeah, My yeah. right honourable friend is rightly in gross day to day in dealing with the developments of COVID-19, but I'd like to ask uh, him to cast his mind a little further forward. Uh, the Chief Scientific Advisor and the Chief Medical Officer have been clear that the best solution for this is a vaccine, but the Chief Scientific Advisor has said that that could be as, as much as a year away. I believe he's also suggested that until that vaccine is available, it may be difficult to ease restrictions successfully. Does my right honourable friend agree with that analysis? And if so, what does a sensible exit strategy look like? Uh, Mr Speaker, the, the objective of the, of the government and the, and, uh, the objective of our, of our scientific advisers is to depress the uh, peak of the epidemic, to make sure that we get through it uh, so that we come out on the other side and that we do that as fast as possible. I'm not going to give a, and that's why we're taking all the measures that we've announced, that's why we've announced the package of, uh, of business support uh, that we have. I'm not going to give a, a timescale on it, but that is the, uh, that is the strategy, uh, and I'm absolutely certain that it will succeed.